0: I'm gonna start off with this beautiful analogy of this couple that brought us a set of Legos for their little four-year-old boy. The little boy was so excited with the Legos, it was exactly the set that he wanted. He got them at night after his mommy lit the candles for the holiday and he took them with him to his bed, put them next to him, went to sleep with them and was playing with them at the crack of dawn, first thing in the morning. You walk into the room in the morning and you're wondering, what is the kid so excited about? All this is is just a jumbo mess of Legos all over the floor, different colors and different pieces, and they are everywhere. And the kid is excited, and he's working, and he doesn't stop, and he's engaged for hours. What is going on? You know what's going on? There's a picture on the box. When his mommy and Tati bought him those Legos, There's a picture of a gorgeous castle, that dreamy picture of what this is supposed to look like when he's done, and that keeps him going because that's what he's working towards. This world also sometimes looks like a mess and a jungle, but there's a picture on the box. Hashem created this world with a purpose, and this world, which sometimes seems to be a jungle, is going to be a garden a magnificent garden. So instead of getting caught up in the small details of the messy stuff all over the floor and the Legos and and the carpet and where it's everywhere and it's a jumbo and jumble and a mumbo jumbo and we can't find anything, we have to remember there's a dream. There's a picture on the box. What is the picture on the box? The picture on the box is that this world is going to be a home for Hashem. A home for Hashem in human terms will be the realization of a dream. It means that this is going to be the place where Hashem is going to be totally manifest in His very essence, is going to be right here in this world. And yet, the impossible is going to happen. What's the impossible? That even though Hashem in His very essence is going to be revealed, we the created beings, will not cease to exist. And this actually really makes no sense at all. It doesn't seem possible. How should it be possible? The way this world continues to exist is there is some type of fiction going on. The truth is that there is no other existence besides for Hashem. And yet, we created beings consider ourselves to exist. And there is a play of light and shadow going on. The only way the shadows can continue to exist is when there's some form of darkness. If the light is going to shine in its pristine state, the shadows are over, the fiction is over. A world only exists living the fiction that is in existence. How is it possible for there to be any existence when Hashem's essence, the ultimate truth, is revealed? And what's the ultimate truth? The ultimate truth is there is no existence besides for Hashem. How in the world can this world continue to exist? How can we, created beings, maintain existence, soul, in a physical body, and yet be exposed to the ultimate truth that there is no existence outside of Hashem? This is possible through what we started to discover last week, the power of Torah. Torah is called strength. And the Torah is not only the divine revelation, It is also the power to receive the divine revelation. So we're going to get back to the text. For those of you who have a printed out booklet, we're on page six. It's over here. And I'm going to go back a few lines from where we left off last week because we were in the middle of a thought. We were looking at a time in history where something like this happened before. Something like this did happen before, that one, Hashem was totally revealed, and that two, all of creation maintained existence, and that was at the giving of the Torah. At the giving of the Torah, Hashem totally revealed Himself, and at the same time, the world continued to exist. Okay, so... We're going to go to Vegam Kfar. Vegam Kfar Hayala Ailamim Me'ain Ze Bashas Matan Torah. A glimmer of this revelation, which will take place in the future, has already been experienced at the time of the giving of the Torah at Sinai. At that time, the physical eye was able to behold the divine, literally, physically, and the entire world shone forth with Hashem's glory. Okay, so the first proof text. That, that the Altar brings us is this one. As it is written, you God revealed yourself that we may know that God is the Lord, there is nothing else besides Him. In describing that great giving of the Torah, the Torah tells us that there's two ways to interpret this verse. So the way they, they describe it here is you God revealed yourself that we may know that God is the Lord, there is nothing else besides him. Another way to translate this verse is, you were shown to know that there was nothing else besides God. So at that time, we were able to perceive physically, with physical vision, it was available to the naked eye, just like you can see anything physical. You were able to see the divine at that moment. Physically, you beheld the divine. You were aware of the truth that there is nothing else besides Hashem. And that's what the al Rebbe specifies. You actually revealed yourself, literally made yourself seen, indicating that the revelation was in a manner perceptible to physical sight. So it is written, and all the people saw the thunder. They saw what is normally heard. Meaning, the children of Israel perceived the revelation at at Sinai with actual sight. So, on that verse where it says that the entire people saw the thunder or the voices actually, Rashi explains, based on the Talmud, that they saw what is normally heard, something that is not a normal experience. Usually, you see what's visible, you hear what's audible. That revelation at Sinai was so all-pervasive, it was available to every single sensory modality that you were able to receive it in. And therefore, things that were normally heard were also seen at that time. There were no boundaries. This was an all-pervading divine revelation. And it pervaded all of reality and every single space and every single sensory modality. Ukupirshu razal. I'm sorry. Let me go back. Upirshu razal, mistaklem leMizrach v'shemit es hadi broyitei anaychi yichule. As our rabbis explain, they looked eastward and heard the divine speech issuing forth, saying, "I am God, your Lord." And so too, turning toward the four points of the compass and above and below, they heard the words coming from every direction. So if you look at the verse from the Torah, it's speaking about Hashem's voice. And speaking about Hashem's voice, it should have described His voice as being kol, the voice. That's not how the Torah describes His voice. It describes it as kolot, the voices. And from this we learn... That Hashem's voice seemed like voices because it was coming from every which direction, from six points of the compass, from north to south, east to west, above and below, his voice was everywhere. de imhain As is explained also in Tikune Zohar, there was no place from which he did not speak to them. So, commenting on that verse following Ata Haresa, it says, "Min <hishmi'acha eskalel yasreka> That from the heavens he made his voice heard to you in order to instruct you. The Tikkuni Zohar exa- explains, I see I'm getting a question over here. I'm, I'm going to wait for one minute. The Tikkuni Zohar explains that he spoke to them from every which direction so that the people will know that the entire earth is filled with his glory. Now I'm going to read a question that we got on the chat from Susan. Susan, would you like to say this verbally or you rather I read it? Oh, let me unmute you over here, okay? (laughs) Okay, here we go, Susan.
1: Uh, uh, Besides hiding himself, he also... Oh, wait, is that the beginning? Uh, yeah. He also allows for people to be deluded into believing that there are indeed other gods. I understand the first that, um, that we don't see him, um, so that we should search for him. But I don't know why there needs to be other seeming false gods.
0: Okay, so that's really an excellent question. And it's something that we address to some extent in chapter 22, where when Hashem created this whole infrastructure of the worlds. He didn't just create that we can't see him. He also created forces that, seeming, that oppose him. And all of this is to create the balance of good and evil so that we as people should have freedom of choice. So it's absolutely insane to think that there is a being that not only doesn't perceive Hashem, but actually says, I made myself. That's the ultimate form of perversion And yet Hashem allows for that, and although he hates the forces of evil, he nevertheless created them in order to serve this purpose of allowing people to choose good. Does that answer the question? Okay. Okay, so uh, Tikkun Ezer explained there was no place from which he did not speak to them. At that time, it was so apparent that the, the entire world is filled with Hashem's glory. There is no place devoid of him. So now the altar explains, why was there such total exposure at the time of the giving of the Torah? What cause that there should be this total revelation that Hashem in His very essence is revealed? V'hainu This was so because in the Ten Commandments His blessed will was revealed. Veain, Sham, Hester, Klal, since they, the Ten Commandments, comprise the entire Torah, which represents the inner aspect of his will and wisdom where there is no concealment of the countenance whatsoever. Okay, let's examine this more clearly. The Zohar tells us, "Be Elaine Asar Amiraran. Iskallifu Kol Pikudei iraisa. In these ten statements all the mitzvos the commandments of the Torah were engraved So we understand that the Aseret Hadibro the ten commandments are the epitome of the entire Torah Now, let's look what the entire Torah is. How does the Alter Rebbe describe the entire Torah? He says, they represent The inner aspect of his will and wisdom where there is no concealment of the countenance whatsoever. What is his inner will? We all know inner will from our own experience. We all have different levels of will and we discussed this a few times. So there are things that we want and then there are things that we truly want. So you go to work. Why do you want to go to work? Because you want to make money. At this point, the will, the will to work would be an external form of will. And the will to make money would be the internal form of will. You don't really want to work, but you work because you want the money. That would be a very simple way of saying it, and we could leave it at that. But let's dig a little bit deeper. Do you really want money? You want money for another reason. You want money so that you can buy the things you want. You want money so that you can buy food, shelter, and clothing. So money at this point is not the inner will. It's something that leads you to a more internal will, and that is the things you want, the things that you need for existence you need shelter, you need food, you need clothing. Okay, so then we can leave shelter, food, and clothing, or as it's commonly described, food, clothing, and shelter as being your inner will. But really, this is not your inner will. Your inner will goes deeper than that. Your inner will is, why do you want food, clothing, and shelter? Because to you, food, clothing, and shelter is what allows you to continue to exist. At this point, your innermost will is the will to exist. OK? So Hashem created the entire universe and actually all the universes, the ones that we don't see. All of this he created, as Rashi brings down right in the beginning of the Torah. Beratcious in the beginning, is also Bhfiel- Racious, for two things that are called racious, the beginning. The Jewish people are called the beginning. The Nevi Yirmiyahu says, Hashem, The Jewish people are holy to God. They are the beginning, the first of his produce. And the, and the Torah is called by Shlomo darko, the beginning of his way. So two things are called R'acious: the Torah and the Jewish people. It is for this reason that Hashem created the world. They constitute his innermost will. Looking at the will to exist, let's say you want food, let's say you want money, let's say you want a house. All of those things that you want are something external to yourself. The will to exist is not external to you. The will to exist is you in your deepest place. The Torah is Hashem's innermost will. It is Him in His deepest place. And that is why when Hashem gave us the Torah, there was such an utter revelation of His essence in the world. Because at that moment, in giving us the Torah, He gave us Himself. He gave us His essence. When His essence is revealed, there are no barriers, there is no darkness, there are no shadows, there was no echo. When Hashem gave the Torah, there was no echo, because an echo is a voice bouncing off of a surface. At that moment, His voice permeated and pervaded everything. So this is what happened at Matan Torah, Hashem revealed Himself, He was so perceptible, even to the fleshly eye, and He was shining from every which corner and every which space. There was no space in this world from which He did not shine forth. In continuing to describe the Torah, the Altar Rebbe says like this, Kimeisha Imrim, Ki Beor Panacha Nasata Lanu As we say in our prayers, for in the light of your countenance you gave us a Torah of life. The Torah represents the light of his countenance, meaning the inner light of godliness. When this light was revealed through the uttering of the Ten Commandments, the entire world experienced a revelation of godliness. Now look at the act of giving every time you give something it's a form of connection there's a connection between the giver and the receiver the act of giving is an act of connection it's an act of relationship it's an act of revelation there's different ways of giving something there's a way in giving something in which the connection is very very minimal almost non-existent and that is as we learned earlier in Tanya, giving in a way that somebody throws something over his shoulder to his enemy. That is giving where there's no interest involved. The person who receives is not even seeing the face of the giver, and yet he's receiving. So in this act of giving, there's minimal connection and very, very minimal revelation of the giver. But then take it to the opposite extreme. Somebody who gives willingly with love. A person who gives willingly with love, their face is shining. And when they give, they give a revelation of their essence. It's an intimate connection. Every act of giving is a connection. Giving willingly and with a shining, smiling face is an intimate connection. And that's how Hashem gave us the Torah. We say in the prayers, or For in the light of your countenance, you gave us a Torah of light. You gave, you gave us a Torah of life. You gave us a Torah with a shining face. You revealed your inner self to us when you gave us the Torah. It was an intimate connection. You gave with your fullest heart, with your truest, deepest self. That was the act of giving of the Torah. And when they were exposed to such revelation... Therefore, they, the Jews who stood at Sinai, were nullified out of existence, as our Rabbis have said, at every divine utterance, their souls took flight from their body. So the Talmud describes what happened at the giving of the Torah. At the giving of the Torah, the Jewish people could not bear the revelation, and so their soul expired. The Talmud quotes from Shir HaShirim, the Song of Songs, nafshi yotzah bedabrei, my soul left when he spoke. When Hashem spoke, the Jewish people's soul left. If that was the case, if they died right at the first commandment, then how did Hashem give them any more than one commandment? And the answer is that Hashem revived them. So Hashem said the first commandment, and they died. Nafshi My soul left when he spoke. At that point, Hashem had to revive them. So this is something similar that's going to happen at the end of days. The Jewish people are going to be exposed to the ultimate revelation. And at the same time, they will continue to exist. But of course, there's a very big difference. In this case, in and of themselves, they were not able to handle such a level of revelation. In and of themselves, as they were with their own capabilities, they died. They couldn't handle such a thing. Hashem had to come along and help them and say, come on now, wake up, revive them, bring them back to life. This is not the way it's going to be at the end of days, and we're going to see this more fully. This was something of the revelation that will happen at the end of days. At the end of days, we will actually be the proper vessel to receive that light. Okay, so how did Hashem revive them? He revived them with dew. This is what the Talmud said. But God restored it to them. He restored their soul to them with the dew with which he will revive the dead in the world to come what kind of dew is this Torah this is the dew of torah which is called might meaning the torah provides the strength that enables us to receive divine revelation without dissolving out of existence as explained in the above reference to the reward of the Tzaddikim of the world to come Similarly, our sages remark whoever engages in the study of the Torah, the Jew of Torah will revive him. The Torah is variously described as dew, rain, and so forth, each figure denoting a different level within it. From the statement just paraphrased, we learn that dew refers to the Torah's restorative power, and it was this dew by which Hashem restored the souls of the Jewish people which had taken flight upon experiencing a degree of revelation foreshadowing that of this messianic era. Okay, so this is really interesting. Does anybody have a question about this? So at the time of the giving of the Torah, the Jewish people's soul left. Hashem revived them with the dew, which he will use in the future in order to revive the dead. Okay, interesting. What is this dew? The dew is the Torah. The Torah is called dew, and it was the Torah that he used in order to revive them. It is the Torah that Hashem will use in order to revive the dead in the future. So, The Jew of Restoration is also the Jew of Torah, exactly the same thing. Susan had a question. I'm, oh, you're not on mute, good.
1: I I am, um, I've always wondered why Hashem did that. He knew that they wouldn't be able to contain it and would die. Why couldn't he present himself, so to speak, in a way that they could withstand it? He wanted to present the Torah then. Okay. Um, they couldn't, they, couldn't and they died. I mean, then he had to revive them. Why do we need that step?
0: Okay, so Susan is asking, why did Hashem give that sort of revelation if he knew that they could not withstand it? Why couldn't he have just given it to them? Okay, that's a good question. I'm going to answer that. And does somebody have a question that's along those lines? Roya, you had a question along those lines? No, not yet. Okay, so let me, let's speak about Susan's question for a minute. Hashem's purpose in creating the world was in order that he should have a dwelling place down here below in the lowest of realms. It is specifically by us lowest creatures living in a world of darkness that every time we encounter darkness and are not faced by it and we subjugate the darkness, we subdue the darkness and ultimately transform the darkness into light, that is the fulfillment of Hashem's will. Now, Hashem wanted a home here. He didn't want just a temporary space. He wanted a place where he's comfortable. And he wanted that specifically to be achieved through us created beings. Right? If he would have just revealed himself at that time and given us the capabilities to withstand it, he would have built the home himself. That's not what he wanted. He wanted us to build the home. On the other hand, we don't have tools without the Torah. So he gave us the Torah to achieve the goal. It kind of reminds me of the 30-day introductory offer. The 30-day introductory offer, and this happens a lot in relationships, is where a couple meets each other, and they're just madly in love with each other. They're flying high. They can't imagine ever getting in a fight. Okay? Then comes month six. In the marriage, or maybe month 18, where scientifically is the end of the, the time frame where the level of infatuation is now not there anymore. It's not about infatuation, now it's about relationship. Suddenly they wake up and they're like, What? Is that the person that they married? Well, what happened to the excitement and the glamour of the first 30 days? Those first 30 days, God was showing the couple. This is what you could have, now go work on it. Develop a real relationship. So at the same time, and giving the Torah, Hashem showed us what it will be like, but it had to be on our own. And besides, He had to give us the tools to accomplish Sounds. that. I see more questions on the chat. I'm going to hold off with the questions and I'm going to get back to them as soon as we uh, continue with the chapter. We're going to get back to where we were. And that is that the Jewish people expired out of existence when they received the Torah. Hashem revived them with the dew of Torah, which is the same dew with which he will revive the dead when Mashiach comes at the end of days. Now, not to make things more confusing, but isn't this a little bit of a paradox? Hashem revealed the Torah to them, and so they died. And then he revealed the Torah to them, and that's how he revived them. Do you hear this? He, the revelation of the Torah caused them to die, and then in order to revive them, he used the Torah. Oh,
1: what kind of use? Oh, sorry.
0: Go ahead. What?
1: Used to that uh, paradox. <laughs> uh, man, tome, also made you so. Exactly.
0: We're, as Jews, we're very used to paradox. We're very used to paradox. As they reference here in the text, the Torah is called different things. It's called rain and it's called dew. There's a difference between rain and dew. Rain is something that has a connection to the creatures of us down here below. Like we even see naturally, scientifically, there's evaporation from the earth, then condensation, and then precipitation. It comes down as rain. So it starts off as something coming up from below and then raining down from above. Dew, on the other hand, has no relationship to the creatures of below. That is specifically a divine gift from above. So when Hashem revealed His essence, Through the Torah, at the giving of the Torah, he revealed his essence on the level of rain, which is extremely, which is Torah. It's his essence, and it's his infinite essence. It did not allow for the existence of the creatures, and they died. In order to revive the Jewish people, he revealed his essence in the ultimate sense as dew. That level is so infinite and so boundless that it allows for paradox that his essence was able to shine and yet the created beings were able to maintain existence okay so let's wrap up what we said until now and then we'll move into the next section we said that a glimmer of this revelation that will happen at the end of days happened at the giving of the Torah at that time Hashem revealed his inner essence which is his inner will in the Torah and although the Jewish people, per se, in and of themselves, were not able to continue to exist, because it's impossible to exist with that level of revelation, they died, yet Hashem revived them, and so they continued to exist, and He revived them through Torah. This Torah, this dew of resurrection, is the same dew with which He will resurrect the dead, in the future to come, at the time of Mashiach. Okay, so then... What happened? The Jewish people sinned afterwards. How were they even able to sin? And we addressed this question briefly last time, and that is, they were able to sin because they didn't achieve the refinement. They weren't on a level to receive that type of divine revelation. How they were themselves, they were not able to receive such revelation. The revelation was a gift from above. But they, as physical vessels, were not able to receive the Torah. And although the Talmud tells us Pasca Zuhamasan, Masan, their contamination ceased at that time, the giving of the Torah, their impurity left them, it was only in a matter of slumber. It kind of went to sleep. But it was able to be reawoken, and it was. They sinned. In contrast, at the end of days, there will be no room for perversion, for sin, for misdeed. Because at that time, as the Nevi Zechariah describes it, hatuma min Hashem says, The spirit of impurity I will remove from the land. There will be no spirit of impurity. So the revelation at Sinai was a mini-revelation of what will be in the time to come. At that time, their contamination ceased, but only in a form of slumber. Ultimately, when the contamination ceases, it's going to be forever. Okay. Wait, one more thing I want to say. If Hashem's essence was totally revealed in the Torah at that time of revelation at Sinai, what happened now? Right now, when Hashem gave us the Torah, Hashem revealed His essence specifically in this world. In this world, He was utterly and totally revealed. In the higher worlds, they did not have a revelation of his essence. Now, we have his essence in the Torah, and yet we don't perceive it. The higher worlds perceive the divine, but they don't have his essence. Even though we do not perceive his essence, still, in this world, We do have his essence. We don't perceive it. When he gave us his essence in the Torah, we still have it. We still have Hashem's essence in the Torah. The only difference is pre-sin and post-sin, pre-sin we were able to perceive his essence. Now that we sinned, we are no longer able to perceive his essence as it is in the Torah. But essentially, we have it. We have his essence as it is in the Torah. But afterwards, after the Torah was given, their sin caused both them and the world to become gross again. Until the end of days, when God's right hand, Yamin, meaning both days and right, meaning his power, will be revealed. Then, the dross of the body and of the world will become purified, and they will be able to receive the revelation of God's light that will shine forth over Israel by means of the Torah, which is called might. So at that time, at the end of days, the dross, the contamination of the world will be purified. The world will be a proper vessel and we will be able to receive Hashem's light that will shine forth over the whole world. And the, the Alter Rebbe is specific in saying that the physicality of the body and of the world will be able to receive Hashem's light. Because a person might think, nowadays, not only can't our body perceive the divine, but even our divine soul ...has some type of veiling that it cannot perceive Hashem's truest essence. So a person might think that at the end of days, Hashem's light will be perceived completely and fully by the divine soul, but not by the body, not by the physicality of the world. That is not the case. The case is that ultimately at the end of days, Hashem's purest light will be perceived even by the body, not just by the divine soul. Second, let me just mute all.
2: Yes,
0: now we had some type of experience like that in the past, and that is, in describing the holy ark, the ark of covenant, the Aron, Our sages tell us like this: "Makom Aaron eno min hamida." That means that the place of the ark of covenant took up no space. The craziest thing. If you would walk into the Holy of Holies, which was 20 cubits by 20 cubits, measure wall to wall, you would get 20 cubits. If you would measure from one end of the Ark to one wall, you would get 10 cubits. If you would measure the end of the other wall of the Ark to the other wall, you would get 10 cubits. And yet, the ark itself measured two and a half cubits by one and a half cubits. How is it possible that it measured 10 from one end, 10 from the other end, and from wall to wall it was 20 cubits? We had some type of revelation in the Holy Temple where it was physical, and yet it took up no physical space. This is something that's going to happen at the end of days where physicality is going to exist. It's going to have dimension. And yet, physicality itself is going to attest that there is a divine being, a divine essence that brings everything else and everybody into being. Now, I know that this is a very inadequate analogy, but the bioluminescence really makes me think about this. Did you anybody go to the ocean recently? The craziest thing, the ocean is shining. And I'm thinking about the ocean shining, and it's telling me that there's going to be a revelation where we're going to see the physicality shining. Of course, this is extremely inadequate because we, we're describing the divine as light, and it's just a metaphor. But we're going to be able to see the divine light in everything. The ocean's going to be shining, we're going to be shining, the physicality of the world is going to be shining. Okay. Through the super abundance of light, which will shine upon the Jewish people, the darkness of the nations will also be lit up. So the super abundance of light that will shine in the future, in the time to come, will be to the Jewish people. It is the Jewish people that receive the Torah. It is the Jewish people that are part and parcel of Hashem himself. The light, the light will shine through them. And through them, the physicality of the entire world will be uplifted. Now, it's important to differentiate between the way that Hashem's essence will shine in the world at large And the way that Hashem's essence will shine within the Jewish people. And I know Roya, you had this question last time. The way that Hashem's essence is revealed in the world is that it will be totally apparent that Hashem's essence is what gives rise and gives existence to the entire world. That they are nothing. The world is nothing. And yet, This exists because the Divine Essence brings it into existence. On the other hand, the Jewish people, it's going to be apparent that they are of the essence. The Jewish people are part of Hashem Himself and they are what channels the Divine into this world. It's important to recognize that the Jewish people are different. A lot of times as Jewish people, it's hard for us to understand this It's hard for us to admit it, but we have to know the Jewish people are different. I read an article by Rabbi Tzvi Freeman, and he was telling a story that happened to two of his friends. They were, I don't know, in the 60s or the 70s, and they went to some guru in India, and they wanted to join his group, his spiritual group, and he said, where do you come from? And they said, what do you mean, where do we come from? We come from wherever they came from. They said, no, who's your family? And they said, oh, our parents, our parents are Jewish, he said, you guys are Jewish, go be Jewish. <laughs> the world recognizes it. If you're Jewish, go be Jewish. I heard this story that I'm sure is made up about Albert Einstein riding on a train. So he's on the train and the guy comes by to see everybody's tickets and he's feeling all his pockets and he's saying, oh, I bought a ticket, but I don't, can't find it. And the conductor says, oh, I recognize you. You're Professor Einstein. Of course, everybody knows you. I'm sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. Okay, and he goes from passenger to passenger, looking at everybody's tickets. And as he's making his way back, there is Professor Einstein. He's on his hands and knees, looking under his seat, trying to find his ticket. And so the conductor says, Professor, please, I told you, I know who you are. It's totally fine. And Professor Einstein says, I also know who I am, but I just need to know where I'm going. And so the point is we have to know who we are and we also have to know where we're going. Who we are, we're the Jewish people. We are part and parcel of the essence of Hashem. And where are we going? It's not just a jungle. It's not a crazy mess. We're going to fulfill the divine purpose, revealing the divine in everything. We're not meant to escape the world. We're not trying to run away from physicality. We're trying to transform physicality and reveal its inner truth, that it is an attestation of the essence of Hashem. Okay, in describing how the nations are going to uh, receive the divine light from the superabundance that is Given to the Jewish people. As it is written, and nations will walk by your, the Jewish people's light. The Mitzvah explains this Pasuk, this verse, as they will learn from you. In the time to come, the nations will learn from the Jewish people, they will walk to the Jewish people's light. <laughs> and also it is written, That the nations will say to the Jewish people, House of Jacob, go, and we will walk along by by the light of God. We too want to enjoy the pleasure of the divine light, and we will walk along by the light of Hashem. Did somebody have a question? Okay, and another verse. And again, and the glory of God shall be revealed, and all flesh will see. Meaning, not just the Jewish people will see, all inhabitants of the world will see the divine. Now there is a difference, again, between how the Jewish people will perceive the divine and how the rest of the world will perceive the divine. The Jewish people will perceive the divine with the fleshly eye. Everybody else will perceive the divine not by physical sight, but by sight of the mind's eye, being so sure of something to the point that they feel like they've seen it like we described last week, there are some things that you know so certainly, like the fact that you have a spirit and you're not just a body, you're not just walking flesh and bones, but there's a spirit that animates you, even though you've never seen your spirit, this is something that you're so sure of that it's like seeing. Except we don't call it physical vision, we call it seeing with the mind's eye. The Jewish people will actually physically perceive with vision the divine. The rest of the world will also see the divine, but not with physical sight. They will see the divine by being so certain that there is a God. Uchsev. And to enter the holes of the rocks and the clefts of the boulders for fear of God and of his majestic glory. This refers to the nations who will be filled with the dread of God, for it cannot be said of Israel, who will be one with God, that they will seek refuge from Him. And so do we pray, appear in the majestic splendor of your might to all the inhabitants of the world, including the other nations. Thus we see that in the messianic era, Godliness will be revealed to all the nations of the world, and in this state lies the fulfillment of the purpose for which this world was created. Maimonides too describes at the end of time, the, at the messianic era, that everybody is going to be studying about God. It's not just going to be the Jewish people, it's going to be a condition of the entire world that everybody is going to perceive Hashem and know Hashem and vilay the how, how the Raman puts it is hashem the entire occupation of the entire world will be nothing other than to know God now a story that illustrates something of Realizing the Divine and Everything is a story of the great Hasidic Master Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Vitebsk. He was a senior colleague of the author of the Tanya and he the author of the Tanya actually looked up to him as a teacher and When he moved to Israel and the Alter Rebbe used to send money to him and to his students and help them live in the land of Israel was in a state of extreme poverty many years after settling into the land of Israel He suddenly made a celebration, and he called all his students for a special su'udas mitzvah, a mitzvah celebration. And during the celebrations, his students asked him, Master, what is this celebration about? And he said, let me tell you, when I was a little boy, I longed to live in the land of Israel. And every time an emissary from the land of Israel would come, I used to ask them all about Israel. And they would tell me about Jerusalem, about Tzfat, about the Kotel. And everything that they would describe to me, after they finished, I would say, is there no more, is there anything else? And finally, one emissary said to me, listen, I see that you long to know the secret of the Holy Land. It's not just about Svat, it's not just about Jerusalem, it's not just about the Kotel. When you move to Israel and you realize that holiness is in every single blade of grass and every single stone you will know that you arrived." And Rabbi Mendel turned to his students and he said, "'Today I was davening, I was praying on the hills below Tzfat, and suddenly I perceived how every single blade of grass, how every single stone is full of holiness. So today I have truly arrived.'" And that's going to be in the time to come where we're gonna see the divine, not just in everything spiritual that we know to be holy, But every single blade of grass and every single stone is going to announce God. So that's the end of this chapter. And I'm going to sum up the entirety of the chapter. And that is Hashem created this world because he had a desire. The divine desire is that he should have a dwelling place in the lowest of realms. The lowest of realms is clearly in this world where there is a doubled and redoubled darkness so much that not only don't we perceive the divine, but as Susan said, there are even beings who consider themselves gods or others consider them gods, meaning contradict the divine being. And yet in this lowest of realms is where Hashem wanted us to recognize him, to subdue the darkness and to transform it into light. And ultimately, when this happens, Hashem's going to be totally at home here in His very essence. He's going to be so manifest that He's not going to hide Himself anymore with any garment or concealment. Really, what should happen is, we should cease to be. It's impossible to be alive, to maintain existence at the exposure of the divine truth, that there is no other existence besides for Hashem. And yet, we are going to maintain existence. We will not expire. How is that possible? How will we be able to maintain existence in face of the divine truth? This is with the power of Torah, which is called Oz, strength. In giving us the Torah, Hashem revealed His inner essence to us. He gave us a revelation, and in giving us that revelation, He gave us the power to bear that revelation. The first time around, when He gave us that revelation, we were not able to receive that revelation, and so we expired. But now things changed we have the torah and through many many years of torah of internalizing the torah and practicing the torah we build up the body and the world so that ultimately we will be able to bear that revelation and ultimately hashem will reveal himself to us and we will not expire and from the superabundance of light that he will bestow upon the jewish people the nations of the world will experience light as well and at that time the entire world and all flesh will see as the Nevi Yashaya says that all flesh will see together that the mouth of God has spoken may this be immediately in our days, Amen and now I'm opening up for question and discussion and uh, I see lots of questions over here on the chat so I have to go backwards, does anybody want to articulate their question to me? Or should it, you want me to read all yeah, of this?
2: I'll, 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 Cheryl. Okay, I'll, great. Thank you. Um, so I have a question about the do. Like, in, in the sense that, number one, is it, like, the do that we have today, like, the the morning do, is just, like, a metaphor for, for, like, your brain came down too hard when Torah was revealed that way. So we needed a do. So it's really more just a metaphor because... You know, I've often heard it referred to as mystical dew. It just appears in the morning. Like you said, it's a gift from God. So that's one level of the question. And then the second related to that is that, is there, uh, we're currently receiving the Torah in its due form, um, that's D-E-W. Like we're, we're, we're the light is, the, the full revelation is not until Mashiach. So we're getting this due form, this reduced condensed form. Continually?
0: Those a two questions. Okay, so your first question was the do that we have today, meaning the physical do, is that a metaphor for Torah? Everything that we have physically is really a, a uh, how do we say it? Everything that is, is an expression of something in a much higher realm. So for example, water, its source is chesed, kindness. And as it expresses itself in this world as physical water, is a physical manifestation of kindness. Dew is a physical manifestation of something much higher. And what is dew in its much higher form? Dew is a divine revelation that is so sub- sublime, so unique, so transcendent that it has nothing to do with the created beings. Created beings cannot make any mark or any dent on this level. This level is divine manifestation that is completely a gift from above, with nothing from the below. In form of contribution, and yes, the Torah that we have today is due. And the sages have a lot of sayings about, for example, anybody who does not study Torah will not have the will not have strength to face adversary, because Torah is strength. Torah is due the Torah that we we got then at Sinai I don't see oh, there you are Cheryl the, the Torah that we got at Sinai is due and although we don't perceive its strength right now when we study it we are taking in the fortification without perceiving what we're even taking in does that answer the question okay great thank you anybody else Roya
1: we keep talking about Torah is the inner will and inner wisdom of, of but then we also say that his desire in creating this world was to have a place to live in this lower world. So isn't that his inner desire to live here? not that the inner desire is the Torah. Torah could be uh, a, an avenue from us to make his inner desire happen.
0: Okay, so the des- Hashem's desire in creating the world is a desire, is an expression of, not the way we say that the Torah is His will, equivalent to desire, it's, a desi- it's something that is outside of our realm of existence. It's not something that we can relate to. We just know that the desire is what as if propelled him to create a world. Okay? Now, when we say that the Torah is Hashem's inner will, we have to... This, it's a different frame. where it's not, We're not using the same word desire. When we say the Torah is Hashem's inner will, we're saying that this is an expression of Hashem himself. Hashem's very essence is in the Torah. In giving us the Torah, he gave us himself. And you're saying, isn't the Torah a way to reach him? Yes, that's true. In giving us the Torah, he gave us himself. And through giving us this divine connection, he gave us a path in which to connect with him. Hashem is infinite. He is beyond infinite. He's beyond infinite and finite. There is no way for us to connect to Him, although a lot of people would like to think so. People want to think that they can create something, call it holy, and then connect with that to Hashem, which is utterly impossible. The finite cannot bridge the gap from the finite to the infinite. The only one who can do that is Hashem. And He did by throwing us a rope, like we said many times, and giving us the Torah. But in giving us the Torah, what was it that he gave us when he gave us the Torah? He gave us himself. The Torah, as it expresses itself in this world, seems to be very mundane. What does the Talmud talk about? What does the Torah talk about? If you read the Torah on a very simple level, read the stories of Tanakh, its stories, its laws about taking an animal and how to bring it to the temple. and not to steal very, very mundane terms that even a simple mind can understand. And yet, we should not be fooled. The Torah, although has come from the highest of heights down to this world, and re-articulated itself in physical language, is still the purest essence of Hashem, articulated in physical form. And it's the most craziest thing. It should not be possible. And it is not possible. The only reason why it is possible is because Hashem has done so. So in understanding a simple concept, such as a a donkey is not kosher and a cow is kosher, we understand and unite with Hashem himself. Because the Torah is articulated in every level in the language of that level. So I know this sounds like a complex kind of answer. I hope that that solves the dilemma to some degree. Is, was that helpful? Not enough. I think we have to we have to sit with it just me and you for a little bit cuz I know you're bothered by that.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: Any other questions? Okay, thank you. Know,
2: you. Like this last part that we read is just so powerful. That like, you know, clearly like the light, Hashem's light is going to be revealed directly through us. It's almost like I feel like how can somebody read that and uh, and not feel their mission in such a strong way? Like it's so clearly stated here.
0: Isn't it incredible? The Rebbe actually speaks about the fact that there's a yeah. number of pesukim. Really there's a number of verses that the altar brings in order to prove the point. And it seems like, why that many verses? And so the Rebbe explains that there's two levels in the revelation that's going to happen to the nation. One is going to be automatic. When Hashem reveals Himself, automatically they will perceive the divine light. But then one of them is going to be proactive on the part of the Jewish people. That it's going to be our mission to actively shine the light, even at that time, to the nations of the world. So then it's going to be our job, and now it's our job. And yes, if... You know, there's nobody who can feel like their life is meaningless or purposeless because we clearly have a job cut out for us. And whether or not we voted right. for it, it's ours and it's our privilege and responsibility.
2: Well, you know, it's so funny because so much, so much of the Torah is like, you know, hit and all, and yet you read like, just talks, like lays it out. Like, this is our mission, you know, take it, <laughs> take it and run with it, you know, yeah. I guess, like, before the Ba Shem Tov, where, like, the wellsprings had to be, like, revealed to everybody, everything was so hidden, you had to kind of find your way in and out of things, but now it's like, boom, here it is, right? You know, just says it right out there, what our mission is.
0: People forgot that that was our mission. No, no, initially this was our mission. Initially, our mission was spread the word of Hashem. It's just when we got into survival mode, we forgot that we need to just it's not just about survive it's about thrive it's about spread the word and people just got stuck into this mode of no th- this is what we have to preserve and hang on to tenaciously but they forgot that we have a mission and i guess what you're saying is the Shemtev reminded us the balshemtov reminded us that we have this mission and he you know made it available to the masses again that you are An only child of Hashem born to him at his own age and he believes in you and he counts on you and it's about you to proclaim him as King you not just as a Jewish people collectively but you specifically I mean that's clearly from the Talmud the Talmud says why was Adam created alone sing in singular form and that was because each person needs to say the world was created for my sake And what that means it was created for my sake is not just so that I can walk around and pick all the apples and eat them by myself but created for (laughs) created for my sake meaning that it is up to me to proclaim Hashem as God and each of us has to take that personally as in it's up to me Hashem relies on me that he he will be called king because of me and that's a pretty a pretty tall order it's a huge responsibility but what a privilege so we are very lucky and very blessed for our Hashem.